Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So we want to talk about what God is able to do. We started this last week, and uh, I want to reiterate a couple things. Um, Firstly, we'll go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. This is probably one of, if not my favorite, New Testament Bible verse. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. This is the one you want to write on your bathroom mirror, you know, or hang on your fridge or whatever, however you like to see the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, many of you already know it. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power which is at work within us. You know, we read that and then we often don't go to verse 21. Go to verse 21. Watch this. To him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church. Can I ask you a question? This is not in my notes. It's just kind of off the top of my head. Uh, but how many of you know when God's talking, we just say what he says? Look, look, at, look at what this says. It, it says, to him be glory in the church. Can I ask you, when, when, when is God glorified in the church? When is he glorified in the church? It's when he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that's at work within us. When does God get glory? When he gets to show off through you. Right? God doesn't get glory just because we talk about him. Come on and help me preach this morning. God doesn't get glory just because we talk about him. He gets glory when he's actually able to do in and through us exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or even think. To him be glory in the church. You see, isn't that funny how that works together? So we need to remember, we need to be reminding ourselves all the time of what God is able to do. Now I said last week that, and you can go back to verse 20 there, guys. I said last week, this phrase, now to him who is able, is used three times in the New Testament in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Three times. This is one of them. Romans 16.25 is another one of them, and Jude 24 is the third. We're going to look at Jude 24 today. Last week we looked at Romans 16.25. If you uh, missed that for some reason, you can get it on our podcast. You can go to highcountrychristian.com and find that. But notice what he says, now to him who is able. I made a comment last week, and I've been pondering it a lot since I said it. It seems as though God has limited his ability to the things and the acts which are in his will. It seems as though God has imposed upon himself limitations in what he is able to do based on what he is willing or desiring to do. Doesn't that make sense? For example, God does not desire to lie. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. So that means he's not able to lie. Because he is not willing to lie, he is not able to lie. Does that make sense to you? 
So God has restricted his, and this is, a, this is a decision of his sovereignty. When we really start to understand the sovereignty of God, we don't have time to go there today because we could talk about the sovereignty of God for the next five Sundays in a row and not even scratch the surface, right? But, but here's something to understand about the sovereignty of God. God has limited his ability to the things he has sovereignly decided and sovereignly wills to do. So when, why is that important? Because when we see the Bible say, now to him who is able, we need to understand that it may as well say, now to him who is willing. Does that make sense? You catching what I'm, what I'm saying? Now to him who is able, when we see that he is able to do something, we need to understand that's because he's already decided that he's willing to do it. It's like the leper in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus asks him, do you desire to be cleansed? And, and the man looks at Jesus and he says, I know that you can heal me if you're willing. And you know how the story goes. Jesus says, I am willing. And he, and he says, be cleansed. So we need to understand that his ability is directly linked to his willingness. That ought to make you excited because when you read that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, it ought to pump you up to realize he's willing to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or imagine. Glory to God. If we could only get our hearts wrapped around his will. See, your mind may not be able to comprehend it, but your heart can. Oh, come on, this is good. This, this, is, this is, should be in your notes, okay? This should, this should go in your notes. Our mind may not be able to comprehend the scope of the will of God in its entirety because we have limitations and he does not. But your heart can comprehend his will like that. You may not be able to get it upstairs, but if you can get it on the inside, then God can really start to work with you and do exceedingly abundantly above. All you can ask or even think. Amen? Now, Ephesians 3.20 sets the stage for us for this um, two-part message. Last week we talked about Romans 16.25. And we said that uh, that verse, and we don't have to turn there for time because we got to get to Jude 24 or else this message would be three hours long. Okay. But, but he said, I'm just notorious for doing long reviews. But um, we said that, that Romans chapter 16 says that he is able to establish us. How many of you want to be established in the things of God? If you missed that, definitely check it out from last week. But now let's turn to Jude 24. Jude only has one chapter. It's the smallest book in the Bible. And it's only got 25 verses. So we're really just going to go to the end of a single chapter book. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. And this phrase again pops up, now to him who is able. And this one might just be my favorite. You know, I said that about Ephesians 3.20, but I have a lot of favorites. It's like when you're a kid and you got 35 best friends. So this is my best friend Timmy, and this is my best friend Bobby, and this is my best friend Billy, right? I got a lot of favorite scriptures. Now to him who is able to what? Keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and present you faultless. That is so good, it sounds like it's not true. Do you ever come across like a Bible promise that you, you looked at and you saw and you're like, that is so good, it's got to be a lie. See, when I read this, to present you faultless, I go, how in the world are you going to present me faultless? I know what I did yesterday. I know how many times I messed up this week. I know how many cuss words I said on the way to church. Right? I know, it's just me, none of you, you know, right? You bunch of perfect people out there. Yeah. That's... <laughs> no, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been there. What do you mean you're going to present me faultless? I know my own imperfections. I know where I miss it. I know better than anybody else on this planet what my own shortcomings are. And you do too. You know better than anybody else about your own junk. Right? Yeah, amen. I got some amens from the babies this morning. Praise God. That's good stuff. Glory to God. <laughs> Hey, this, this is interesting, huh? Think about this for a second. What, what, if, what does it say that we are more acquainted with our own failures than we are with God's supernatural ability to present us as faultless? But see, this exposes an area of my life that I need to submit to God's grace. You see this verse? What's so special about this verse is it exposes us to the grace of God. This common thread through these three scriptures that we've looked at as a part of this God is Able series, the common thread is the grace of God. See, the fact that They strive and they work so hard to try to be something in life. And God's like, why don't you just submit to my grace and let me do the things you can't do and I'll make you who I've created you to be and that'll be so much better than who you could try to achieve yourself to be. Come on. It's so much better when we do it his way. The common thread through these three scriptures is one of the grace of God, particularly in this passage here in Jude. Notice that there are both actions and results in this verse. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. This denotes the activity of grace. The Spirit of God is leading us to a result through this process that is governed by his grace. I want to say that one more time. The Spirit of God is leading us to a result. What is that result? That He is able to keep us from stumbling, and the result is that He is now able to present us as faultless before God. He's leading us through this process 
that is governed by his grace. This process is God imparting his grace to us. And I want to say this, and I want you to get this. The quicker you yield to his grace, the quicker the process, and the sooner we're mature. You see, you and I do this thing so well as human beings that we go through the same, same, same routine over and over. And let's go around the mountain again, Lord. And God's like, listen, I've got you in this process where my grace is being imparted to you so that you'll grow and be strengthened and so that you'll mature, right? And that's what we all want. Do you want to be a baby forever or do you want to grow up in God, yeah? No, we want to grow. And so God is willing. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. It's his mercy that keeps his grace in our life, if you think about it. Without his mercy, we would never, we wouldn't be around, we wouldn't stick around long enough for his grace to actually do anything in our life. It's his mercy that holds us to his grace. And so he's so willing and so gracious to go round and round and round the mountain with us. And it's like, here, I'm going to try, I'm going to put you in this process and help you to grow. And we, oh, it's like my kids, they fall off the bike and we, okay, let's get up and try again. The quicker we yield to his grace, the quicker the process is in our life, and the sooner we're mature. The sooner we get to that place of being mature and steady in him. Now, I'm just blown away by this idea that grace is not just the forgiveness of my sin, but it's actually the ability to overcome it so that I don't sin anymore. This is a concept that is almost foreign to Christians and shouldn't be. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's evidence of a misunderstanding of the grace of God. We think that grace is just simply there to forgive us after we did something wrong. Right? We think that grace is just there to come around after we screw up and say, it's okay, baby, it's going to be all right. Just pick yourself up and here, let's go again. Really, what grace is there for is not just to forgive you of sin, but to prevent you, to empower you, and enable you to not sin again. You say, brother, could you, is that even possible for someone to not sin? Well, yeah. You're not sinning right now, are you? I mean, come on. (laughs) Right? I mean, just like be honest and just take a quick poll. Anybody sinning right this second? Hopefully not. Okay, hopefully we're all, you know, straight and narrow right here during church, right? Right? So is it possible for you to not sin? Well, yeah, if you're not doing it right now. Come on, Charlie Brown, don't be a blockhead. Are you just, are you able to not sin? Of course you are. The times that we fall into sin is when we get into temptation and we let the pressure of the enemy to distort our thinking and then we start sinning. Well, grace is here to come and help you to overcome then. It's not just here as a get-out-of-jail-free card, although it will do that. If you're in jail, you know, the prison door is open. Praise God. He came to set the captives free, okay? So, yeah, use grace to get out of jail if you need to, but use it, more importantly, to not get back in, right? Why? Because His grace is able to keep you from stumbling, and the reality is this grace is so good, it'll keep you from stumbling. And if you do stumble, it'll catch you on the way down. If you, if you didn't get caught on the way down and you bounce, it'll catch you after you bounce. It's there and it's amazing. 
It'll cover you through the whole situation. But the reality is, God's best for us is that we live free. His best for us is that we live free. Now to him who is able to keep you or prevent you from stumbling. Let me tell you what the Greek word here is. It means to keep you unfallen or unstumbled. Not that Greek word. That's the one I'm getting to next. Although you're very fast. Thank you. It's able to keep you unstumbled. Now the word able is even more incredible. It's the word dunamai. Q slide. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good, good word. <laughs> uh, it's the word dunamai. Anybody recognize that word at all? It's, it's a derivative of the word dunamis. Yeah, dynamite. Thank you, brother. It's, it's where we get our English word dynamite from. It's dynamite, explosive, amazing God grace power. It means to be able to have power, whether by virtue of one's own ability and resources or of a state of mind or through favorable circumstances or by permission of law or custom to be able to do something, to be capable, to be strong, and to be powerful. God, This is the attributes of God's grace. He is able, capable, strong, and powerful to keep you unstumbled. Wow. And you say, Lord, how is it that this is even possible? How do I access this amazing grace? I'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> There's a simple way that we access the grace of God. It's easy. Did you ever, did you ever hear somebody use the, the term good graces? Well, I just want to get on so-and-so's good graces. You know, you can live forever on God's good graces. Amen. We sang about it this morning. Good grace. Amen. Glory to God. Now unto him who is able or capable or strong or powerful to keep you and I unfallen or unstumbled. This is what we like to call the will of God. Amen. It's the will of God for you and I to live life free and unstumbled. Now, let's go to the next line there. Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, this might be my favorite part of the verse, and present you as faultless. This, to me, speaks so much of the goodness of God. Because the word faultless in the Greek here means unblameable unblameable. Some of you know, in the natural sense, in the natural world, when something goes wrong, there's always somebody to blame, right? I always, you know, I have this conversation with my children over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, probably a thousand times a day. When they get in an argument or they get in a fight, what's the first thing comes out of their mouth is, she did it. It was she, she made me, well, well, Daddy Abigail made me, da, 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 da. Or Daddy, it was Claire, da, 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 da. It's always somebody's fault. There's always somebody who's to be blamed. Well, how many of you know when you and I mess up, who's to be blamed? Me, right? Right? 
What's amazing is that God's grace is so virtuous and so powerful and so complete that not only can he forgive you of yesterday's sin, he can empower you uh, to not sin again today. And then when it comes time to hold you up before the Father, he can say, yeah, 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 unblameable. Oh, my God. Did you get that? Or do I need to say that again? His grace is so powerful that not only can it forgive me of yesterday's sin, it can actually empower me to not sin today. And then when it comes time to hold me before the throne of God, he is, he is actually able to honestly say, this one is unblameable. That's how powerful his blood is. That's how potent the work of Calvary was, that you and I, for all of eternity, are perpetually unblameable. This is very important that you and I remember this. Do you want, you want to know why? Because the Bible in the book of Revelation talks about the devil. And it says of the devil, it says that he is the accuser of the brethren. And he night and day has one job, and that is to accuse you, and accuse you, and accuse you. Have you ever been trying to pray? And just about the time you get ready to really get cooking in prayer, all of a sudden, everything you ever did wrong starts to flash before your mind's eye. It's amazing. Matter of fact, I'll say this. It's a little rabbit trail. Here we go. When I sit down to pray, one of two things inevitably happens. I'm either reminded of something that I did wrong or I'm distracted by something I have to do. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All of a sudden, you just start to pray, and here comes the enemy with a long laundry list of to-dos. You didn't even remember you had a sock drawer, but now all of a sudden, it needs to be sorted, and it's, oh my God, we got to do it right now. This is the moment. <laughs> Hello. Isn't that ridiculous? It's, this is what the devil lives to do. He lives to keep you blamed or distracted, one of the two. That's the only weapon in his toolbox. That's the only arsenal that he has to work with, is to keep you distracted or to keep you blamed. He's the accuser of the brethren. So next time the enemy comes to you and says, hey, listen, you failed, you're a loser, you're miserable, you screwed up, you kicked the cat, you argued with your wife, you cheated on your taxes, you whatever you did, you just go back to this verse and say, you know what? I may have, but here's the cool thing about God's grace. It's actually able to erase the past and pr protect me in the future. It's actually able to cancel out everything that I ever did that was offensive to God and preserve me and present me before God as completely unblameable. Next time the devil comes knocking on your door, you tell him, you take that blame garbage somewhere else. I will not be ashamed because greater is he that is in me than he that is against me. Glory to God. Amen. You understand, you start to understand really quickly why Paul writes with such a tone of victory. If you read the, the writings of Paul in particular, all through the New Testament, he writes with such a tone of victory. There's such an understanding of the victory that belongs to us. Why? It's because when I look at my life in light of the cross, there's nothing but victory there. Here the enemy comes to try to tempt me to be, to, to be covered in shame. And, and Jude is like, no, 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 no. Not only are you not going to be ashamed, you're actually going to be held up before God as completely blameless. Unblameable. 
Oh, glory to God. So, how do I access this grace? How do I find myself in this grace? Go back to verse 20 of this chapter. This is amazing. Verse 20 of Jude. I'm going to give you just a, just a hint of how you can stay, get in and stay in the grace of God 24-7. But you, beloved, number one, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Everybody say number one. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Number two. Everybody say number two. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say number three. Go to verse 21. Number three. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wow. Keep yourselves in the love of God. There's three easy to do bullet points because that's what we're always looking for, right? Is the easiest route to, you know, just give me three simple steps and I'll be able to do it. Well, here's three simple steps right from, right from the Scripture. Number one, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Number two, pray in the Spirit. Number three, keep yourself in the love of God. If you want to maintain perpetual access to the grace of God, start by doing these three things. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. How do I do that? Spend time in the Word. Do what Sean was talking about during the offering. Come to church. Don't let the devil keep you away. Don't let him, don't let him whisper to you and keep you, you know, from coming, from being here with people that love you. Being around the presence of God. I'm here to tell you the presence of God is stronger here than it is in your house right now. It's just a fact. Not because of any virtue or lack of virtue in your part. It's just that when we all come together, the bigger the snowball, the more snow it picks up. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason we assemble together, and that's for God to move in ways that he just can't when we're by ourselves. It's just the way it goes, guys. So build yourself up on your most holy faith, man. Come to church. Get in the Bible. And then pray in the Spirit. Look at that in verse 20 again. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is, this is a part of building yourself up, is praying in the Holy Ghost. But I want to tackle it as its own issue because of how substantial it is. Praying in the Spirit is one of the greatest things you will ever do, ever. We have, listen, we are a, we are a culture and a society and a generation of people who have forgotten how to pray. It's amazing. Jesus, you know, you, you can go read in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus, you know, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And his, his disciples come to him and they say, Master, teach us to pray. And he says, you know, when you pray, say this, our Father who art in heaven, you know the whole thing. There's a subtlety in that verse that we oftentimes don't catch. The disciples did not ask him how to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? It's because they saw that every morning, well before the sun rose, Jesus was off somewhere in a wilderness lonely place, praying before his Father. I have to imagine that the disciples watched him every single day get up well before the sun and go be alone with his Father. I heard a preacher say this, he spent hours with his Father and minutes ministering to people. 
He, why, why was he so effective in his ministry? Because he was constantly filled up with God. Because he was constantly spending time in prayer before the Lord. And if you and I would learn how to pray in the Spirit, if you and I would learn how to pray in other tongues and yield ourselves to God in our prayer life, we would become a far more powerful, impactful group of people. It's just a fact. Amen. Oftentimes we don't get a hold of the will of God for our lives because we don't know to pray. I was riding my lawnmower recently and having one of those moments where I'm just talking to the Lord. Y'all still with me? Riding my lawnmower, talking to the Lord, and I was asking him about some things in my life and, and was seeking his will. And I was like, Lord, help me to understand your will. Do you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? Totally, totally bummed me out. I was looking for like a big, booming voice of revelation, you know some sign in the heavens or angels or something. You know, I was looking for some. And do you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, pray in tongues till the answer becomes obvious. I said, Lord, I don't want to pray in tongues till the answer becomes obvious. Isn't that awesome? But here's the deal. Most of us are unwilling to do that, so most of us fall short of finding out what God's will is because we haven't gotten to the place where his will is so obvious because we're so connected to him, right? Oh, I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen this morning, but that's okay. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, we've got to return to a place of a lifestyle of prayer. If you you and I want to get in that place where we are preserved, blameless, and presented faultless before the Lord, we need to learn how to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We need to learn how to pray in the Spirit. And then finally, we need to learn how to keep ourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. What does that mean? It means that you and I stay perpetually aware of His love at all times. Acknowledge that his love is working in you and through you all the time. Be constantly looking for opportunities where God's love can shine through in that situation. Most of the time, we just do the opposite. We're just, we're just on the edge of our seats waiting to rip somebody's head off. You ever, you ever done that in traffic? I know I have. We're just on the edge of our seat waiting for somebody to mess up. When instead, what if we flipped the script and we just backed up and said, wait a minute. I'm going to keep myself in the love of God. I'm actually going to start looking for opportunities to express God's love instead of looking for opportunities to express my own frustration. What if we lived that way instead? What if instead of waiting for someone that we knew was going to fail, what if instead of waiting for that moment of failure so that we could roast them with the facts, what if instead we were waiting for that moment of failure so that we could be there to catch them so they didn't hit the ground? Oh, wow. What is that that's keeping yourself in the love of God? You see, you and I do that. We do those three things, build ourselves up in our most holy faith, pray in the Spirit, and keep ourselves in the love of God. We are positioning ourselves to be perpetually operating in the grace of God. And now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Now, to him who is able to establish you. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. This is, how we, this is how we walk 
in what God is able to do and go beyond what we're able to do. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that for my own life. I want to become a conduit for the, for the presence of God to flow through me and actually touch people and actually minister to them. I don't want to be a liability to the kingdom of God. I want to be a strong asset. Don't you? If we're going to do that, we need to find ourselves all the time aware of the grace of God. All the time looking for His love to be administered in a, in a situation in our lives. Amen. Isn't that encouraging stuff? Aren't you impressed with what God is able to do? I know I am. Let's stand up to our feet today. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.